Hello, welcome back to Brick by Brick. I'm your host, Emily Verbecki, and we're back today for another conversation that I hope will help tell the story of Albion in what currently is kind of a crazy, unusual um, time, uh, a time that we've never experienced in Albion or across the United States. Just for everybody's reference, um, we're coming to you today on March 31st, which means we're about a week and a day or two into Michigan's stay-at-home order. So this is actually the first time that we are using a new podcasting tool called Zencaster. So Shane was uh, awesome enough to say, sure, I'll be the, for the first guinea pig. So even though I can actually see Shane's, the back of Shane's house from my window right now, um, I can't sit across from him or sit next to him. So we're doing this remotely for the first time. So bear with us if we have any issues or additional back noises. I think we've all seen some of the fun videos um, um, or audio of people trying to do their jobs while also having kids in the background. And the same is true for Shane and I. So the the reason that we're doing this episode today is that we really want to not have the podcast all of a sudden turn into all about COVID-19, but it also seems not quite right to completely ignore what is happening um, around us in our community and across Michigan, across the United States related to COVID-19. So we actually thought um, Shane would be a great guest to talk about how he and his work has transitioned quite rapidly from what he was doing just a few weeks to a month ago to what he's doing right now. And if you remember, those our listeners might remember, back in episode 16, we met and talked to Shane. He had just recently started his own consulting firm focused on supporting nonprofits. And he talked a lot about how he was working and um, working with local nonprofits in Albion to ramp up in fundraising, um, do development plans, fundraising plans. And so he was really, um, I think, up in his, up to his eyeballs in that work at that time just a few short months ago. And we wanted to have Shane come back on today to talk a little bit about what he's doing now. So so Shane, the last time we spoke, again, fundraising, nonprofit consulting business, that was our focus. But tell us a little bit about how your work has shifted as the community of Albion currently is addressing um, the sort of COVID-19 pandemic that's happening around us, but also is preparing somewhat for the impacts that it will have on Albion currently and in the long term. So tell us a bit about what you've been doing recently. So thank you. Thank you again for having me. I um, I had a lot of fun the first time. And so this, this is, um, while I'm not excited about the circumstances of this conversation, uh, I certainly am excited to talk to you again. And in fact, I, I think I sit in a pretty unique spot where I've seen some bright light and some of the darkness around um this pandemic. And so I went from strategic planning, fundraising planning, direct solicitation for gifts and grant writing. And while that is still really important and um, to all of my clients, um, I don't want to completely say it's been put on the back burner, um, but really what what we've gone into is kind of crisis response mode. So um, especially since the um, stay home and stay safe order from the governor was put into place, um, that sent practically all of my clients into a little bit of a, a, a crisis. If, if they weren't perfectly financially positioned at the time, um, 
they were probably not prepared to be either closed or to not um, have events happen that they relied on for um, revenue. So uh, I've been kind of doing crisis response. I'm sorry, you can hear my four-year-old safari master in the back. Um, he's my coworker now. Um, um, so what I've so what I've been doing is helping to take my clients and plug them into situations where they don't become complete losses. Um, and and I have one client who was really well positioned to do that before. Um, and I can actually say I can say this: the YMCA of uh, Battle Creek um, basically came to Albion and said we're going to set up emergency child care for frontline workers, and they've turned a, a pretty uh, you know dark spot into a pretty bright spot for people who need child care who still have to report to work, especially our frontline factory workers and our uh, frontline healthcare and public safety people. Um, you know, and then you know, with other places, they have to cancel their major fundraising events or their major. Um, or their major events just in general that they rely on for revenue over the next uh, couple of weeks and the next couple of months. Um, and so that's, and so what we're doing is kind of shifting their priorities with the people who fund them and figuring out how to um, turn this into an opportunity for them to be responsive and to have a better uh, opportunity when this is all done. So um, I went from very, uh, fun, exciting fundraising, economic vitality was great. Um, into holy moly, we're we're all going to take a little bit of a hurt here with the slowdown. We all would rather be alive and healthy, um, but we also know that the economic impact is going to be huge, and especially for nonprofits. Certainly, and so I know part of some of your work is obviously direct consulting with clients, but you also serve on a fair amount of area boards within the communities. So in your role, and I'm sure you, it's very hard for you to sort of take off that consulting hat um, every time you you go to a board meeting or you're you're conversing with a fellow board members, but what are some of the other things that area organizations that you know of, whether you're on their board or not, are, are offering and, and are sort of putting into place uh, really quick response programming um, that you've been a part of the the conversations to bring those things uh, to fruition. Yeah, so I want to talk just a, briefly about a few. Um, so the first is the Food Hub. Um, they're working really, really hard with the city and with the EDC um, to make sure that no one goes without food in Albion. Um, Laura Overholt, Amy DePrez, um, the mayor, Mayor Atchison, um, has, have been kind of coordinating food for seniors and for families in need. Um, I want to, I also want to highlight the Albion Homer United Way. I'm the board president there. Um, Marsha Starkey, our executive director, is leading a pandemic response team, and they're meeting weekly to make sure people are fed and have access to vital services. And we've also opened a relief fund. Um, the Albion Homer United Way Relief Fund is being put together um, to make sure that we respond to the needs that come up that are going to cost money that we know people are going to need soon. So in addition to food, we're talking about basic necessities, um, making sure people have hygiene products that need them, helping uh, displaced workers, uh, making sure we're addressing any homeless situations that have arise, uh, that have arisen as the uh, pandemic um, bears out. We know that um, we're like a few days behind Battle Creek as far as seeing surging needs. So, so if Battle Creek we know has has an uptick in 
um, homeless. We know that in a few days, we'll probably see a couple, you know, not at the level Battle Creek, but we know that we'll see a couple of those present themselves in Albion. And so we're just trying to keep on top of that for Albion and Homer. Um, I'm working with, uh, you know, I'm the vice president of the board for kids and stuff. And um, kids and stuff is let the YMCA use their facility as the uh, emergency relief camps for kids, um, uh, pre-K to five, uh, especially for health workers. Um, that the word I don't think has gotten out enough about that. Um, uh, the, the attendance is a little low right now, but we want to make sure we get the word out about that um, so that people know that those services um, and opportunities are available. So, and I, I do want to highlight, I, I can't thank everyone enough, uh, but I also want to highlight that the city um, a, a, a received a, a um, award of $5,000 from the senior millage, Helen Guzzo and the senior millage allocations committee to make sure that seniors could, um, who needed it, had access to food uh, boxes delivered to them. So there are some really, really bright things happening in our community, even when it seems like the world is kind of falling apart. <laughs> so it sounds like you've been kind of working with organizations uh, in two different ways. One, some direct response, like the the helping with um, food and food for seniors and foods for, for anybody who really needs it, working with organizations that have been providing that and providing childcare. But you also have been working specifically with United Way in finding ways that the whole community can help feel like they are supporting their community. You know, um, I'm sure that many of our churches, they're doing, you know, and they're a part of the the senior food um, support system that's happening in Albion. All the churches are really involved. But right now, you know, nobody is really going to their church services and nobody's really passing the hat to, to give donations. And so this is also sort of a place, especially with through the United Way, that if people want to give money that they know is immediately being put into action in their community, sounds like the United Way is the A number one place for them to to do that. Am I understanding that correct? Absolutely. Um, I, I, um, I cannot stress enough that if you want to have immediate impact in response to this, um, cri- you know, this kind of crisis that's been sprung on us by the pandemic, um, giving to the United Way, um, having it matched by the community foundation so your money is going even further um, and we don't have to wait. We're not 100% of those dollars go back to the community. Um, so I can't stress enough, there's no administrative fee. It doesn't sit in the bank account long. It's there and it gets sent out as needs arise. Um, and we have quick turnaround times on that. Um, there's been a small group of people elected by the United Way board from the United Way board that um, are quick to the punch. So when things come up, they meet, they decide if the United Way can fund that through this fund. You know, we're also being very prudent and smart. Um, we want to make sure that we're spending people's money wisely um, and on things that make sense during uh, the pandemic while also meeting the most need. Um, so I think people should feel very, very, very confident if they give to the Albion Homer United Way um, that their money um, is going to go, one, going to go really, really far, and two, it's going to be spent very, very responsibly. Um, and then this, and then the other thing I want to point out is that this allows other organizations in the community, so, and this is why even uh, Tim Krause, executive director of the Community Foundation, is so supportive of United Way taking this on. Um, he knows that the United Way can respond to the need and the basic needs of people. The Community Foundation isn't really set up to do that, right? Um, and so, 
so that allows the community foundation to take the lead on helping us figure out what happens after this is all said and done. How do we support our local nonprofits who really took a hit and a loss during all of this after it's done? Um, or as it comes up uh, a little later in their, uh, in their funding cycle. So I can't thank the community foundation enough for um, supporting that fund and making sure that all of the donors money goes even farther um, this during this during this uh, pandemic. Yeah. So, you know, I think sometimes it's hard to many of us, I think when we ask how, how each other are doing, we're saying we're doing good. We're taking it day by day. And probably at the same time, you know, these organizations, they're also taking it day by day, but there's also opportunity in trying to think towards the future, what things are going to look like when things begin to come back to potentially a new normal. So when you're working with some of your clients right now, what does that look like to help these organizations, these nonprofits to to prepare for getting back online, getting back to a new normal? What do what does some of that look like right now for you, Shane? Oh, this is probably um, one of the brightest spots in all of this. So um you know, we're using a different platform today to have this conversation, right? We we had a really great conversation a couple of months ago where we got to be in person and you had all this cool microphone equipment. Um, but now we're having a really nice conversation, you know, following all the social distancing rules using technology. And one thing that every single one of my clients is experiencing right now is a surge in their use of technology. <laughs> and we're taking people who are the ones behind the desk saying, I'm not good at technology and they've been forced to use it. And so now, you know, we're going to have all those, you know, Zoom meeting blunders and I can't get my sound to work or my camera doesn't work this way. Um, but everybody is being put on um, on this new technology, on this technology track, which is really exciting because when we think about what our organizations and our nonprofits can do for people, let's take the YMCA, for example, um, they, um, you know, their physical fitness, right? You, They love, you have classes, um, they have spin classes, they have yoga classes, they do them all in person. And now they're delivering them online every day via Facebook Live. I mean, you can go to the YMCA Battle Creeks page and you can see which um, trainers and which people are delivering classes during this time. So you can do it um, virtually. And for people who already had Peloton or some of the other um, online workout apps, um, they were already used to it, uh, but for people who, um, you know, are users of the YMCA um, or who have scholarships in the YMCA, this stuff is now available right in their home, right in their screens while we're social distancing. So that's been, that's really cool. Um, you know, we have um, partnerships that are evolving. So organizations that didn't seem to have um, things in common now do, um, and they're figuring out how to work together um, during this time that, that, um, they won't be able to not work together afterwards. So like, I can't imagine a day, um, after this, um, after this is over that organizations who have partnered to either deliver food or vital resources or organizations that have partnered around arts and culture or in recreation, aren't going to not work together after this is all said and done. I mean, um, if we've had some really dynamic leaders, jump in and create new partnerships um, that are going to last probably a very long time after this is done. And I know talking to other 
um, professionals in the field who I who are not my clients, but who work in my capacity with other nonprofits, is that they're experiencing the same thing. There was this immediate panic. Oh no, what are we going to do? We're we're going to bleed money. We're going to lose it here. Um, and then these dynamic uh, forces just got to work, and they're turning it into an opportunity. Um, and and I think that is the probably the most exciting uh, part about it for me. Um, you know, my business has changed, which also means that it kind of has dipped, you know, because uh, people are scared to take on new expenses. And I'm an expense. At the end of the day, it costs money to have my services. Um, but I'm weathering the storm with my clients. And when it's done, what we know in fundraising and philanthropy is that this that the need will go through the roof when everybody's ready to get out of their house and go shopping and go to the mall and go to the museum and go to the uh, concerts um, and and to, to partake in community again. There will be a huge demand in philanthropy, and there will and, and you know the economy. The only thing about the economy that we know is that the pandemic is what caused this. This wasn't a market crash based on um, lending or any sort of other factors. This is all because people were unhealthy and couldn't buy. And we're a consumer-based economy. So we're very hopeful for what happens after this is done uh, for the partnerships that have emerged and the excitement around um, people will be excited to get their community back together, right? Um, I can't imagine that you won't be excited to have a beer with me at the Malibu when this is all done. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, so I, and if you, if you're craving a beer at the Malibu, then that must mean there's a lot of other people out there too. So I think, um, I think this is really, really exciting after we get through it. So would you say that you, in maybe some of your organizations, you really felt like maybe that organization prior to this was struggling with some creativity, thinking outside the box, uh, changing with sort of potentially times, advancing themselves, getting out of sort of their regular, this is the way that we've done it, um, kind of uh, mentality a bit. And has has that changed? Do you feel like this has actually forced some organizations to get more creative, think outside the box a bit more, um, and it almost gave them a, a reason to do that? Oh, yeah. So yes, yes. The answer to all of that is absolutely. Um, I have one um, arts and culture organization. Um, I won't I won't name them because I'm not uh, I haven't had permission to talk about them. Um, but I have an arts and culture organization. Um, they do a couple of concerts a year. Um, their whole uh, business model is on delivering an experience to an audience in a huge concert hall. Okay. And they're they do their concert very early May, and they do their concert in December. Um, they rely on the revenues of those concerts to help bump them up through the rest of the year. Um, although they've been dynamos in fundraising as of recently, but um, but but you know they they looked at me and they were like, "How are we gonna like get through this? We have to cancel our May concert. Um, how are we gonna stay relevant and get people to know us and not seem opportunistic through this time?" And now they've completely flipped the script. So, okay, it was really sad. They had to cancel their concert in May. Um, but now they're going to be delivering um, musical lessons online with their with world-renowned musicians all over the world uh, for people locally and, through, and for people who have experienced them um, across the United States. Um, something they would have never thought to do had this situation um, not happened. And 
Um, they're talking about doing virtual a virtual launch party since they they they've just named a new executive director and they have exciting new board members and now they're like okay we really want to keep the excitement going we want to get in contact with our people and 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 the people who enjoy this particular organization tend to be of an older generation and now all of a sudden we have a group of people who would normally not want to hang around on the internet too long, <laughs> uh, logging on and watching this organization do their thing. And it's just really exciting. And I'm, I'm sure that that story is not unusual at the moment. Um, and it, it makes me excited for what this organization is going to do um, afterwards. Certainly. And we've talked a lot about the work that you've been doing with nonprofits and organizations in the area. But one thing that we haven't yet really talked about, you did mention it kind of briefly, is that Certainly in the media, there's been a conversation about the gig economy, and I think most people sort of think about musicians and artists that um, that live and thrive off of the gig economy that are really struggling right now. And there's another side of the gig economy, which supports professional services, and, and you're one of those individuals that's a part of the gig economy. So so what, if, what has this been like for you as one, somebody who just recently started a business less than a year old, a part of the gig economy? What has it been like for you as, as, as a business owner in the gig economy kind of over the past couple weeks, month or so? So um, like many of us, um, back in like January when um, the virus made it to the United States, I was like, it's just going to stay out in Seattle. It's going to be no biggie. We're going to be all right. You know, people aren't going to get on planes and fly here. And, you know, now we're like up over 6,000 cases in Michigan and everything's closed. <laughs> um, it was I, it was a little frightening once, once it became real. Again, um, it was a little frightening. I was like, I'm coming up on the end of some contracts. I have I have a bunch out uh, with potential clients who I had really great meetings with and felt really positive about. Um, some of those got placed on hold, <laughs> pending. We don't know when this is over, so we can't make a commitment right now and what our priorities are going to be. Um, and then others, which I'm truly thankful for, um, which made a lot of sense. Um, we we've extended the contract, and um, I've I've actually stayed quite busy with my pay with my paying clients. Um, I've ramped up a lot of my volunteer work, but it was scary. Um, I do know people who, um, uh, if this goes on for too long, are really going to struggle. You know, other uh, professional service folks who are going to who are going to uh, run into some trouble, who are really looking at this new um, legislation that just got passed and signed to see if they qualify for any sort of uh, paycheck recovery or um, uh, security there. Um, so it was it was frightening. I feel at the moment, even though we're at the, you know, kind of at the very beginning, I mean, we're a week into the stay home, stay safe, but we're like almost a month into kids being off of school. <laughs> so it feels like we've been in a pandemic for three years. Um, um, I feel like right now I'm actually in a really good spot and I feel good about um, trying to be supportive of those in the community who are working really hard. Um, but I, again, I, I hang on to what we know is that after this is over, um, me and my fellow gig economy people, <laughs> professional services are going to be needed more than ever. Um, Jason Lewis is one of my favorite um, podcasters uh, around philanthropy and fundraising uh, in the United States. And he and he always posts a pretty inspirational message um, every day about this. And he's like, listen, we're going to get through this. It's going to be okay. Everybody's going to hurt. I We can't think of one American who isn't going to hurt throughout this process, right? I can't think of one of my neighbors 
who isn't suffering right now, whether it's from isolation, whether from whether it's financial, um, whether it's food. We're trying so hard to take care of people, but everyone's going to hurt. Um, but after this is over, we're we're gonna we're gonna pick ourselves back up and do a really good job, and we're gonna learn a lot of lessons from this. So, are you doing any preparatory work to think about what your offerings and your services might look like or need to be for current clients or even new clients that that might be looking for support as they start looking towards the future um, in a in a few weeks or a few months? Have you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Think about it this way. So do you remember when um, Detroit had the big bailout that happened and they saved the uh, DIA mm-hmm. and um, all the found there was a key group of people that came together, mainly foundations and companies to figure out how to how to fix that. Um, I'm thinking of this in a similar fashion, although it won't it won't look the same as Detroit did, uh, but it'll have the same feeling. So when this is all done, I mean, we've scaled back on. So just think if we scaled back on philanthropic giving right now, we've also scaled back on expenses, right? People aren't spending. People are probably trying to save more if they have a if they have a steady income. The same thing for you know foundations and uh, you know the Albion Community Foundation. They suspend they've suspended a grant round. They set aside money for emergency relief, and they're going to see what happens after this is over. So when this is all said and done, nonprofits are going to need people uh, with with skill sets like mine and others who are very talented. Uh, I never claim to be the most talented, but there are so many talented fundraisers and professional services out there. Um, they're going to need us to come in and help them tap into the resources that are going to be available to them when this is over. So I can imagine that large foundations, um, the government, um, different agencies, there are going to be opportunities, big opportunities for nonprofits to take advantage of. And they're going to need people who know how to navigate those waters, who know how to make those relationships uh, to come online rather quickly and help them. Um, it would be good for bigger nonprofits who are able to handle it to employ folks in uh, these professional services before. That way they're ready to hit the ground running and have a good understanding of your organization. Um, but I, the surge will be um, after people are allowed to come out of their house again and we're, and we're allowed to have coffee together um, <laughs> in, creating, in creating those relationships and moving people forward. I mean, um, any good executive director now is 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 thinking, okay, here's how I'm responding to this and how I'm going to make it through. And then they're starting the groundwork for what happens after. So when you think about our community of Albion, what do you hope that we will learn from this experience that we can take forward in an effort to continue to build a stronger, more resilient Albion? Uh, because, because I think there's so much we're learning, but I'm trying to think of the one biggest thing. And currently today at 4.40 p.m. in the afternoon on March 31st, after a full day of Zoom meetings and go-to meetings and email conversations, I think one of the things that Albion will hopefully take away from this is that collaboration is key to the success of our community. No one can do anything in a silo. It, it will not work anymore. It, it didn't work before. And now we see why, okay? And um, I think when it comes to, um, when it comes, like, you know, I, I'm not the small business expert, right? Like, I didn't open a bakery. I didn't open a brewery. I don't own a bank. Um, but, what I, but what I'm learning is that all of those places have to work together in order to get through these types of storms. And it would be much easier if we were all uh, working together beforehand. And and it's it's so important for nonprofits to to be that way as well. And so... 
Um, I, I think we'll have strong relationships coming out of this and it'll be all about maintaining those and growing those after this is all over. And I really, I'm excited um, for Albion after this is over. Um, I'm anxious to see all of my friends and towny people again. Um, <laughs> um, I can't wait to be out and about with my neighbors. Um, and I, I think we're all going to be a lot stronger after this. It's too bad that this had to happen. You know, some of this is inevitable. We couldn't avoid it. Um, but I think we're, I think we're off, off to a good start when this is all done getting back together. Awesome. So you mentioned a couple things that you're looking forward to, um, beer and sitting in the Malibu um, with people around you. That's certainly one thing that you're looking forward to. Uh, just being able to be up close uh, with people, I'm sure hug um, hug people is probably on your list of, of things that you're looking forward to. What else are you really looking forward to after this stay at home order is lifted? Social distancing guidelines have been lifted. Lifted. What, what are you What are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to taking my kids down to Victory Park and letting them play in the mud and jump all over that playground equipment. I I am just so excited for that. You driving in the, We took a drive the other night because getting a little claustrophobic over here and <laughs> I made the mistake of driving down to the park and I had to tell my kids no because it's not safe to play on the equipment right now because you just you don't know who's been on it and it, you, you just can't do it and thankfully it's all cordoned off so I'm, I'm looking forward to Victory Park uh I'm looking I am looking forward to the Malleable and all my all my townie friends who we will have a beer at five o'clock on a Friday um I'm looking forward to going out to dinner with friends um, I'm looking forward to hugging my mom, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just all this weird stuff that we all took for granted. Right. And, um, I think that, um, this time apart is going to make us, um, feel, uh, something special when we're all back together again. And that, and, and again, that might be the extrovert talking, but, um, that's who I am and that's what I enjoy. So I'm really, and again, I won't hug anyone without permission, but okay, like that's not a thing. Um, but I'll pretty much take a hug from anybody after this is all over. <laughs> That's awesome. So everybody heard it. If anybody is in need of getting some hugs that all the hugs that they missed after the social distancing and all that's, um, lifted, uh, shame is game for hugs. Um, yeah. as long as everybody agrees that it's okay. So, <laughs> well, Shane, Thank you so much for your time today. Um, certainly, I think, I hope our listeners uh, ha- can take some some value, understanding information from this uh, podcast episode that we're going to kind of turn around pretty quickly so that the information gets out uh, in an efficient time, timely fashion. And so I hope that people walk away understanding the things that you've been involved with and the organizations that are active in Albion working on supporting the immediate needs of the whole community that they have, but also the work that you're doing to help prepare for the next phase in our new normal. So I really appreciate your time and sharing all of the work and, and thank you for all the work, not even just sharing what you've been doing, but thank you for all your work. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for highlighting some of the good things happening in Albion at a, at a really crazy time. Absolutely. Well, just like always, if you have feedback or suggestions about who we should interview, please get in touch with us using the website downtownalbion.com. And we hope that you'll continue to join us to listen to upcoming episodes of Brick by Brick to make sure that you are able to get 
a new episode as soon as possible. As soon as it comes out, you should make sure that you're subscribed to Brick by Brick, either on iTunes or SoundCloud.com. You could also find and listen to each episode on our website, downtownalbion.com forward slash Brick by Brick. But until next time, we hope to see you around town at a safe distance, six feet apart. Um, and, and we really, truly hope that everybody continues to be safe and healthy. So until uh, next time, we'll see you around.